if you're just blown away by the preacher this morning, he'll be in York at Trinity United Methodist Church next Sunday morning if you don't want to hear David's friend. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. Um, that um, That is some of... I'm afraid we would have to call him right now, and I bet he's working. I bet he's working. So um, uh, there are some of you here who understand that reference. That is because uh, I was born and raised over in York, and 33 years ago, uh, D- David referred to the bishop doing this and the bishop doing that and superintendents uh, weighing in. Well, 33 years ago, this past June, uh, the bishop said, John, uh, you're going to Rock Hill. You're going to Adna. Nelson Alexander had didn't have white. We didn't have gray hair, did we, 33 years ago, did we, Nelson? <laughs> but um, but obviously one of the remarkable things about that was that uh, I, I got to be six miles from my mom and daddy for six years. If I wanted, I could see them every day of the week. If I chose to, it was a remarkable blessing or perk to um, to our time here, which was filled with blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Uh, as I look out, there are some of you who are present this morning who shared with us uh, those six years of blessing. Uh, many have joined the ch- church triumphant and the great community of saints. Um, There are many faces that certainly I do not recognize, so I don't expect you to be at Trinity Church in York next Sunday. Uh, I expect you to be right here. Um, I I didn't realize that uh, Marie's mom and daddy had moved uh, from the... um, from the Grand Strand area to the uh, Piedmont, and I was talking with them prior to uh, prior to church uh, because the the way I go from from Florence to the Grand Strand now is I turn and go through Ainer so I can make it out to Highway 22 and have a, a straight shot to the beach. In order to do that, you see. I have to go right by Salem Baptist Church. Now, that, that doesn't mean a whole lot to, I mean, a lot to, to many of you. Bill, where'd you get to? Did he go outside? He went across the street to wait on me, didn't he? Um, but uh, because of unfortunate events, the Methodist Church in Aner had burned 
And when Bill and Marie were married, they married at Salem Baptist Church just outside of Ainer. And I remember that hot Saturday. Well, Sunday. Sunday, it was Sunday, yeah, because of the gnats. The gnats. You can't... The, the, that, that's exactly right, Clyde. Uh, Clyde said the Nats just, they did. They took over the world that day. Um, but, um, but I do. Every time I go by there, I remember how hot it was, what a joyful day it was, but how many Nats were present at your wedding. Um, you know, when you, when you do homecomings, you could reminisce and tell stories uh, for several days, and I will not do that uh, this morning. Uh, if you look on the front of your bulletin, just under the four pictures of, uh, of Adna Church, the first line under the four pictures, those are my years. Um, uh, we moved here in 1984 and uh, left in 1990. And as I said, it was a remarkable time. Uh, those of you who were here during that time remember that across the street, across this road, across Adna Church Road, uh, there was a concrete block building uh, that had been painted white, so they called it the White Building. And, uh, and it was where Adna Church um, cooked chicken. For years upon twice a year, I don't. Do you still cook chicken? Twice don't do that. You got you got everything paid for, so you don't need to do that anymore, huh? Um, but um, uh, it was uh, it was the site of many good times. The white building, the softball field, uh, of course, this place, and uh, and it is a, a joy. Uh, to always come back and to be back because so much uh, of Adna is, um, is home. Um, it is part of who I am and will always be a part of who I am and who my family is. Um, my children remember uh, our time here fondly. Uh, my wife remembers our time here fondly. Carol taught in York. Um, Julie, I won't ask how old you are, but uh, 30, 33 years ago we, we moved here, and, and uh, uh, sooner or later you were Carol's student, so uh, some people uh, hang around. And um, through those of you that I don't know, I am truly delighted that God has led you to Adna United Methodist Church. Yeah, I might be a little biased, but to me and for me, it is one of those, those remarkable, wonderful, great places that God has blessed the earth with. As I look out and I, I see uh, familiar faces as well as those unfamiliar, I get, 
uh, Jay, you and Sally moved here when when I was here. Yeah, yeah, sure did. Moved their family uh, uh, right into the neighborhood and came to be a part of us. And now you're uh, you're not new here anymore, uh, unless you talk to the Mitchell clan or or to the Howell clan or some of those that have been here forever. Um, it is a joy. David, I thank you for the invitation. And I, too, cherish our friendship, a friendship that started, as he said, when he was uh, pastor in Livingston and Pinewood, United Methodist Churches in the Orangeburg District. Um, and, uh, and he is right. He is exactly right when he tells you that I, I tried to do as much as I could and to pull as many strings as I could when I knew that he was moving and that Adna was, uh, was coming open. Uh, and that's the way, that's the terminology we use. But the pastor at Adna was moving and, um, and I couldn't think of anyone uh, that I would rather see. And, uh, and I thank you for what you've done these years and what uh, the Lord is leading you to do as, uh, as the pastor of this church. So um, I thank you for being here. I thank you for being Adna Church. Uh, for continuing, and that's what I want to share with you for a few moments this morning. I want us to talk about uh, this homecoming, uh, this reunion, if you will. Um, Our scripture lesson for the morning is a familiar story, a portion of a familiar story. Uh, It uh, it is uh, a portion of the story of Joseph. Uh, as you remember, Joseph's brothers had uh, sold him into slavery to Egypt after having put him in a pit. Uh, prior to that, there were many discussions among his brothers, his jealous brothers, uh, uh, about killing Joseph. Uh, but they could not figure out how to do that and explain that uh, to Jacob, uh, their father. So... They, uh, they happened by a caravan heading toward Egypt, and they sold their baby brother Joseph. And, uh, and then we know about the, the dreams and how Joseph uh, rose to a position in, uh, in the Pharaoh's uh, government. And this portion of the story is when the brothers in the midst of the famine, have made their way to Egypt. And Joseph realizes who they are. In the 45th chapter, if you would give attention to this portion of God's holy word, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants. So he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. But he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and also Pharaoh's household heard it. 
Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here, because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, ruler over all the land of Egypt. Return quickly to my father and say to him, This is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me without delay. You can settle in the land of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all you have, there I will sustain you, for there will be five more years of famine. Otherwise, you, your household, and everything you have will become destitute. Look, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin can see that I am the one speaking to you. Tell my father about all my glory in Egypt and about all you have seen. And bring my father here quickly. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin wept on his shoulder. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept. And afterwards his brothers talked with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be truly acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A young preacher was excited because in his small church in a small community, a new family had moved in, and in their moving in and settling, they had chosen to attend his church. And after attending the church for several consecutive weeks, the preacher felt and, uh, and believed it was time then for him to call on them, to pay a pastoral visit, to gauge their interest in the life of the church. And they excitedly accepted the request for the visit into their home, and they scheduled it for early evening. The preacher got there at the appointed time and knocked on the door, and it was was uh, delayed just a moment, and from inside he could hear uh, the, ru- the rush about of an entire family, father and mother and son and daughter and dog 
And, um, and it was a few minutes and uh, the father came to the door and invited the preacher in. And he could tell that they were still trying to finish up their evening supper. And so they invited him to sit, and he did. And after supper, dishes were cleared away. The mother and the father excused themselves with the children, said, Preacher, make yourself comfortable. Said, We'll put the children to bed, and we'll be right back downstairs. The preacher, of course, uh, said, That's fine. Said, Take your time. I understand you have young children. They needed to be tended to. They went upstairs to put the children down. And as they were upstairs, the the preacher settled in to a comfortable chair. And there in the floor was the family dog, a greyhound. You know greyhounds, big, long-legged dogs that are famous for their speed on the racetrack. And indeed, this particular greyhound at one time in his life, had been a racing dog. And so the preacher decided that this was an ideal time for him to, to strike up a conversation with the greyhound. And the preacher said, so, uh, so you're not racing anymore? The dog said, no, not, not racing anymore. And the preacher said, well... Uh, well, why is that? You, you, you look like you're, you're okay. Are you, did you have an injury or a health problem? Oh, no, said I'm as healthy as I ever was. Probably still as fast as I ever was. And the preacher said, but you're here and not on the track. Said, did, you, did you retire? And, and, the, and the dog said, certainly not. Said, I'm not that old. And I can still run with the best. The preacher said, well, was it, was it that you weren't winning? Did the money uh, drive? Oh, no. No, I won m- more than my fair share of races and won a lot of money for my owners. Were you mistreated? Oh, no, sir. No, sir, I was, I was treated like a king. I had the most comfortable place for a dog and all the water I could want, all the food I could want. I was never cold. I was never hot. And the preacher said, now let me get this straight. You weren't injured. You didn't get old. You're still fast. You could still win races. What happened? The greyhound looked at him and said, I quit. Preacher said, you quit? The greyhound said, yeah, I quit. The preacher said, why did you quit? If you've never been to a dog track, and I haven't, but... But you know the setup of dog racing. What happens is they put those dogs into separate chutes. A bell rings, the gates open, and before the dogs, there goes a mechanical rabbit. And those dogs chase that rabbit 
around that track. The dog looked at the preacher and says, I realized what I was chasing wasn't real. I realized what I was chasing wasn't real. I want us to think for a few moments together on this homecoming as we look back, as we remember, as we think about past and present and future. If indeed the mission and the ministry of Adna United Methodist Church specifically and to a much greater extent the church in the world is real. Does it continue to be meaningful? I stood on the periphery on the sidelines earlier this morning and watched your pastor and the, and the church member he alluded to minister to this lady who had stopped by needing some help. And I thought how often over the years has that been a part of, of who I was and the church where I was, whether it would have been here or in Saluda or in Charleston or in Conway, or in Wagner, or wherever. Because at the very heart and soul of who you and I are called to be, in terms of the church and disciples of Jesus, that was a reflection of it this morning. And some of you, some of you, have been in this place of ministry, in this body of Christ, in this community of faith for the vast majority of your lives. And you have seen ministry happen from this place to to places in this community and in other locations well beyond you and I ever seen or visiting. When you look on the front of the bulletin and you see that beginning year 1880 and you do the mathematics and, 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 and if my math is correct, we're talking about over 130 years. That seems like a, 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 a lasting a lasting reunion, a lasting connection that brings persons together, men and women, boys and girls, children of God together as the church so that you find yourselves in this moment. Whether you've been here for many years or whether your first Sunday was last Sunday. You find yourselves in a place that gathers on a regular basis to proclaim the grace and the peace and the mercy and the love of God Almighty. 
In other words, my friends, each and every time you gather, whether it be on Sunday or whether it be at other times, you are part of the ongoing story. Every time you gather, you update the story. God's story in your life, God's story in my life. We, we, um, I was talking to David before we came in, trying to remember. I preached homecoming one time here since he's been the pastor. And I, I, I asked him if he remembered when it was because uh, I thought maybe I needed to update the story a little bit. It seems maybe when I preached homecoming uh, the other time, Carol and I only had one grandchild, so we update the story to add three more grandchildren and uh, three little boys and one little girl. Um, we update the story in, in different ways. In the last year, both Carol and I have laid our mothers to rest. We update the story in that, um, in that like you, uh, David, they've been, uh, they're telling me that, um, that indeed uh, one of the valves of my heart is not functioning properly and that, uh, and that surgery is in my future. Um, uh, I don't know exactly when, but, but we, the, the, the story continues. Your story and my story, it does not stop. It does not end it is an ongoing from, from 1880. The mission and the ministry of the Adna congregation has continued, and on a regular basis, you have gathered to update the story. Joseph realizes that his brothers are right there in his midst, and they don't know who he is. These same boys that, that taunted him because he had a coat of many colors, these same brothers who were jealous of him because they thought that being the youngest, he was always favored, and he was spoiled, and they did not like it, and... And they did what they did. They sold him to a bunch of merchants who took Joseph to Egypt. So that apparently much of his life story was apart from his family rather than with his family. But it is a story Joseph says to his brothers that was all of God's doing. That indeed what they meant for harm, God meant for good. And Joseph shares with them his story. Joseph says, this is what happened after you sold me to the merchants. And in telling the story, he says, don't be upset. Don't, be grie don't grieve or be angry for, with yourselves for selling me here. 
Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. And what we do when we gather like this, when we celebrate our history and our heritage, and at the same time celebrate what is happening in the very moment and looking forward and, and, and seeking to give new life to, to a vision of mission and ministry, you and I, like Joseph, are seeking to preserve life. Seeking to preserve the life of God's love and God's grace in this place as, as well as others. There's a hymn that we often sing whose first stanza uh, is a clarion call to the church and to God's people. We've a story to tell to the nations that shall turn their hearts to the right, a story of truth and mercy, a story of peace and light. We've a story to tell. We cannot... We cannot, for God's sake, and the sake of the church, and the sake of the world, we cannot stop living or telling our story. Your own individual story, like Joseph, Joseph said to his brothers, this is what God has done in my life since we've been apart, since you sold me so many years ago. That's Joseph's story. He could easily say to his brothers, tell me your story. What's happened? What has God done in your life since you sold me many years ago? Oh, my friends. Every Sunday morning for six years. Joe Bob and Dick and Howard and Sandy and before they made it up to the choir room probably he, Joe, and Clyde but, but there was a group of, of men that gathered right outside those doors every Sunday morning to update the story. Isn't that right, Barry? To update the story, to say, this is what's happened since last Sunday, since we were together. And this is what God has done in my life and in the life of my family since last Sunday. Because, because you see, you see, it's not only just, a part, uh, just about individual families, you and I, children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are family, and that story is updated. And I would stand out there, and I would listen, and I would laugh, and I would cry, and I would pray. Because the story continued. And to this very moment, it continues. Friends, on this homecoming, at this reunion, 
this family reunion. We need to remember it is always our responsibility to, like Joseph, tell the story of what God continues to do in our lives. We simply cannot keep that a secret. It is your responsibility and my responsibility and the responsibility of the church to tell that old, old story that is new every day. It's our responsibility to preserve. Joseph said he was sent by God to preserve life. He told his brothers, you will be a remnant. Not everybody would, be, would make it to Egypt, but, but go get daddy and bring him to Egypt. And you will be a remnant, a remnant of God's people and the story will continue. As it continues to this day. But it is our responsibility. Yours and mine. As God's people and as the church. To be those who seek to preserve. The Christian faith. The remnant of God's people in the world today. To proclaim the gospel. And to be true to the story. I want to know on this homecoming Sunday. I need to be reminded that what Adna is chasing and what I'm chasing, number one is the same thing and number two remains real. Some years ago, on a cold December morning in downtown Birmingham, Alabama, a little boy squatted over a steam heating grate in the sidewalk outside a large department store seeking to stay warm. His clothes were tattered. His shoes had holes in them. You could tell. You could tell that, that times were difficult for the child and obviously for his family. Uh, a car pulled up to the curb and a lady got out she was to, going to enter this department store to do some Christmas shopping, and she noticed the little boy. And she went over and struck up conversation. They talked for a few moments, and then she got up and walked into the store and was gone for some time, and he stayed right there trying to stay warm. She came out, her arms filled with packages. She walked over to the little boy and squatted back down with him and opened a bag and took out a brand new pair of shoes and socks. And she opened another package and a, a warm winter jacket was placed around the boy's shoulders and there was a, a, a cap and some gloves and other things that would would assure him that he wouldn't be quite so cold. And after all of this took place, 
she got up to turn around to leave. He asked her, said, are you God's wife? And the lady smiled and he said, uh, she said, no, no, I'm not God's wife. I'm just one of his children. And she turned to leave. And he exclaimed, he cried out, I knew it. He said, I knew it. She turned back around. He said, she said, Sugar, what did you know? He said, I knew you had to be related. I knew you had to be related. Her story and his story became the same story. That through the years, your story and my story and the story of those who went ahead of us, the story of those who will come after us. I wonder, friends, I wonder when you and I are out and about, do people say the same of us? As the little boy said about that lady, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you were related. That's what this story, that's what this reunion has been, is now, and will always be about. Amen.